Sophie Lawson from sophielawson.com and this is episode 39 of the So Free Art podcast which is a little podcast I do each week about art and things and this one's going to be all about social media so that's the main topic and then we have the book book and this week's is a beautiful book called Momentary The Art of Ilya Kavshinov then we have the little art tip which is going to be all about sharpening your pencils. There's also going to be a little bit on lucid dreaming as well. So that's all. That's everything that's coming up in this week's episode. You can find show notes and stuff at sophielawson.com and you can also find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash sophielawson. So let's jump into this week's main topic, which is social media. And this one could go all over the place. Because there's so much I want to talk about. And I haven't... I've put some little notes down, but I haven't really thought about it enough. So it's more going to be like just emptying my head. And so what I thought I would do is start by talking about... Just really briefly talking about the main types of social media. And some of the main ones for like artists... And just what I think, what my sort of thought is about each one. So, the first one you got is YouTube. And I think YouTube, I see YouTube as like a social search engine. If I ever want to look for something, if I ever need a review or something, I always go to YouTube first and I just search for it. And YouTube pretty much has everything. So, I feel like YouTube is a really good sort of search engine. But you can also get to know people. So, like, there's... You get, you get to know like the artist, but you actually get to know the artist behind the artwork. So that's why I really like YouTube. And I also really, what I like about YouTube is it's normally quality content. So it's actually worth like watching. And that means it's also, I feel like it's worth p- producing as well. Whereas the other ones, are, some of them are a waste of time sometimes, but I don't think YouTube is. So that's my thoughts on YouTube. And then you've got Twitter. And I see Twitter as like a... Twitter, to me, is kind of like a little brain dump place. It's where you can just throw random thoughts out. And what I like about Twitter is you put it out there and it almost disappears. I feel like with Twitter you can just throw anything out there. And half the time nobody's going to see it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So I've always found Twitter quite easy to put things on without fear of being judged or something that's what i think about twitter it's it's like a little sort of like a little brain dump journal that's my thoughts on twitter then you've got instagram and with instagram i see instagram as like a collection of finished artwork even though it's not even though you get people doing like work in progresses and sketches and stuff i feel like you you still have to think about how you're presenting the image on Instagram because it's Instagram is more about the feed, your overall feed, as as much as it is the individual posts. So there's a little... For me, Instagram requires a bit more work than the other ones. And then you also have all the hashtags, which you kind of need to put hashtags in to get people to see it. And that takes quite a bit of time. So Instagram, I feel like, is a bit of... A bit more work than the other ones, but I love Instagram for looking at other people's work. So 
that's what I think about Instagram. With Facebook, I really just, I sort of don't get Facebook. Everyone, well not everyone, but a lot of people seem to really like it. But I've never really been able to understand Facebook. Facebook to me is kind of like an, a place for extroverts. That's what I think. And maybe Twitter is more for introverts. So maybe that's why I like it. I've tried to be on it many times and I've never really been able to like understand it because it's are you supposed to put a profile or are you supposed to do a group or are you supposed to do a page there's like so many options with that and I just get confused a bit really so that's what I think about Facebook but I know a lot of artists at like art class and stuff like that who actually love Facebook and even on like a lot of the podcasts that I listen to they have Facebook groups so you sort of have to be on Facebook to be part of like some communities online which I don't like that but that's the way it is so that's what I think about Facebook then you got Pinterest which I feel like Pinterest is probably the best place for like collecting a, a bunch of inspiration so like Pinterest has it uses boards which are like folders and you can keep some of them private so what you can do is you can if you're if you're online and you see an image you really like you can just like send it up to your Pinterest board and basically collect a bunch of images that you really like so I think Pinterest is amazing for finding inspirational art and collecting it all together so that's what I think about Pinterest and then you've got some art specific ones one of them is um, Tumblr it's sort of it's more arty than the other ones I think I've not got much experience of that but I did post a few bits on there and to me that seemed a bit like a cross between Twitter and Facebook it was it felt a bit like a blog or something um because there seemed to be a lot lot of opportunity to do writing on that one so that's where it seemed like it was sort of like Twitter but it was long form so you could have you could just write massive blog posts and stuff and I think Tumblr could be quite good but I, like I say I never got into it I think it's it's good for comics and stuff like that and then you got these other ones which are proper art related ones so you got one called Dribble which is Dribble with three B's and I'm not sure what what it's like now but in the past you have to be invited to it and so it was kind of like it had this sort of like an exclusive feel to it and it was very professional and nicely laid out and everything but I don't know it just I never really got into that one but I feel like dribble is a bit more professional it's for people who are very advanced and trying to put together like an online portfolio so that's what dribble that's dribble and then you got deviant art for me this is probably the most sociable art community um, like a social community and it's I really do like uh, DeviantArt. I found so many artists on there and artwork. But I'll talk about it later, but I haven't been on there for quite a while. But when I first started drawing, that was like my favourite place. And so I still feel like DeviantArt is a very good place. And that one's more like a social community one. Um, and then you also have Art Station. Which again, I think this is another professional one. Like a port, it's more like a portfolio website. So it's more like finished pieces. But with ArtStation, I, f- I feel like ArtStation is more. It feels more like each artist has their own separate art, um, 
their own separate website within the website so it, it it doesn't feel so much like a community on that one um, and I've always found ArtStation is something I'd sort of jump into when I'm looking for a particular artist I'll just jump in, look at that artist and then come out I don't tend to start browsing other areas on that site whereas with like DeviantArt sometimes on that I would go to find an artist and I'd end up clicking on other things maybe getting distracted but that's how sometimes you find good things so that's what I think about each of the main social media types and I thought what I would do now is talk about some of the sort of like my relationship with social media and I feel like I have some sort of love-hate relationship with social media so everyone says you have to be on social media but I I'm starting to wonder do you actually have to be on social media because what I would I think my dream would be to basically take myself away completely and just spend all my time drawing. But I don't think you can do that anymore. I think you do have to be on social media because that's just the way the world is now, I think. So even though sometimes I I don't like it, I think you sort of have to be on there. But there are a couple of my favourite inspirational artists. Like there's an artist called... Arata Yokoyama and he basically doesn't have any presence online at all because when I was trying to put a little piece together for the website I couldn't find him online anywhere and yet he has got this beautiful work so sometimes it's like maybe the work can talk for itself and you don't have to do anything but what I'm thinking is I think it's all about focus I think again it's it's another one of these things to do with balance the problem isn't social media, it's trying to be on everything at once. I don't think that's ever going to work. So when I first started drawing, I can't remember how, but I ended up on DeviantArt. And for about, it must have been for about a year, I basically did nothing but DeviantArt. Whenever I did a drawing, I would post it onto DeviantArt, and that was pretty much it. And I just focused on DeviantArt. And I got to know so many nice people, I got so many comments on my drawings and it just felt really good and then what happened was in I think it was 2015 or something um, I started adding photos of Sophie because at the time I was Kevin and this was as I was going through my transition I guess as I was going through my transition I lost focus in my head and that loss of focus kind of found its way into my deviant art and and I think I just got confused about what I was doing on DeviantArt and I ended up coming off of it and I also wasn't doing as much drawing at that time so I didn't have as much to post and I've just found it quite hard to now go back to DeviantArt but then I also wonder whether maybe my time on DeviantArt was just at the start maybe, maybe I've moved on or something, I don't know but when I lost focus in my head I kind of lost focus on DeviantArt and then I thought to myself, well, I need to, in, in 2016, I think, I thought, I want to get back onto social media, because I'd kind of pulled away from it, and then I went to the absolute extreme of going on everything. <laughs> it was funny, because I ended up on on everything, like I had a Facebook, I had a Facebook profile, a Facebook page, a Twitter, an Instagram, I had all of them, but even though I had all of them, I wasn't on any of them, and it was just, it was a bit silly, and it was also taking up a lot of my head 
a lot of my head it was a bit like I did an episode once on minimalism I did a podcast episode on minimalism and I, I said in there how once I got rid of everything in my room I just felt a lot more at peace in my head and I feel like that's the same with social media if you if you're on all the platforms at once I think it kind of overwhelms you and so you have to sort of or at least what I've found I have to do is I have to pick like one or two and focus on one or two and I think I'd rather have one I think I'd rather be on one social media thing and do it really good to the best that I can do it rather than being on everything and not doing anything so what I've what I thought I'm going to do is what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to I think I'm going to focus on YouTube because I love making videos and I think I'm going to focus on and then I'm going to have like Twitter as this place I can just throw random things on and I'm even thinking about pulling back from Instagram and maybe just focusing on YouTube for like a year or something and then that way I can empty my head and I don't because at the moment my head's like well I've got to post something on Instagram I've got to post something on here I've got to post something on there and it just ends up being distracting and then I end up I end up not posting anything on YouTube as well because I'm I'm just unfocused. So I think if I focus on one, just on the YouTube, maybe in the future you can start bringing the other ones in or something. So that's what I'm thinking at the moment. But earlier this year I actually, I went for a bit where I, I like I said, I always seem to do this. I always seem to go to extremes before I find the balance point in the middle. So the first extreme was going on to all of the platforms, <laughs> which was which didn't work. And I ended up going away from all of them. And I had about six months. I didn't even, I didn't go on any social media at all for about six months. And it was actually really nice. It was just really nice to not feel the pressure of having to post something on social media. And I also got just so much more done in that time. So there is that side of it as well, where it can be like a distraction. But when Inktober started up last month, I I felt like posting my drawings onto Instagram and Twitter would be like a form of accountability. So I felt like if I didn't post, the, if I didn't have that th- thought of having to post it on Instagram, it maybe wouldn't have kept me focused to do it. So I went on Instagram and Twitter during Inktober and I really enjoyed it and it wasn't just the posting I loved seeing everyone else's like images during Inktober so that's why I'm conflicted because I love not being on social media because I just feel a lot better but then I also love being on there because it's really nice seeing everyone's images but I also have this feeling of it being a distraction sometimes so it's quite hard to find that balance point and I'm trying to work out whether it's better to be on there or not. So that's why I'm thinking. And another thing with like Instagram, I said it's more like finished drawings and images. That's why I think at the moment maybe Instagram isn't what I should be on. Because at the moment I'm doing a lot of like studying and learning. And most of my work isn't really finished drawings. So I haven't really got much to post on there. And so it feels like I'd be just posting for the sake of posting. And I don't think that's the right way to do it either. 
So maybe I just, at the moment, I jump into Instagram every now and again just to look at other artists' work, but, like, focus on YouTube. So I think it all comes down to just working out what is best for you at the moment and focusing on that. But, no, like, it's... The thing is, you think, well, if I don't focus on Instagram, I'll never go back to it. But I don't think it works like that, because you might spend a year focusing on YouTube, have a lot of fun doing that, and then when you get better and you can start doing your finished drawings, then you can go back and start posting on Instagram. So that's just where I'm at with it, really. It's it's just trying to work out what to be, what to be on, what not to be on, and trying to find a nice balance point. Oh, there was one other thing as well, which is, this is another thing that happened with my Instagram, is, again, I kind of confused myself. Like, with DeviantArt, I lost focus during the transition. A similar thing sort of happened with my Instagram, and I still don't know whether it was the right thing or not, but I used to have, my Instagram used to be 100% art, and then I created another one, which was for my photos. And then, during the transition, I, I wanted to bring them together, so I ended up putting my art and photos together and I, I think it worked but it also it started making it a bit more confusing about what my feed was in my head. So that's another thing I've been thinking about as well is should you be curating your feed and everyone says you have to but then I felt like you didn't have to but then when I didn't I ended up thinking maybe I should have so maybe maybe there is something about you do have to curate your feed. I'm not sure about that one. But that's basically all I've been thinking about with social media. I just wanted to empty my head on the podcast and see what I thought, see what comes up. And that's this week's main topic, social media. It's now time for this week's little art tip. And this one is a weird one, but it's all about the importance, really, of sharpening your pencils. So... I really only use mechanical pencils and the good thing about them is they don't need sharpening so you can do like a you could do a 50 hour drawing and never have to sharpen your pencils and that's why I love that's one of the reasons why I love them but I've also got these clutch pencils and they are kind of like mechanical pencils but it's a much thicker lead and it's it almost to me mimics a traditional pencil but I'd been using those as like a mechanical pencil so I had never been sharpening them and I'd been drawing with those for years and never sharpening them and I was just happy with them like that so I was doing a lot of my gesture drawings with these unsharpened clutch pencils which the ones I use are Strett Lamar's I'll link to them in the show notes but what happened was um, recently this week I just finished the first course on SVS Learn and during that course he was teaching me how to like build up a sketch from your imagination and what I've been doing is before going to bed I've been practicing drawing shapes in 3D and on that one it uses the same sort of principle where you start out with your gesture lines and these can be like fat these can be fat lines and then you go over the top of those with like more detailed thin lines so I've been using this pencil and I I decided to sharpen it for like the first time and it basically transformed the pencil and I just thought to myself why have I never sharpened this pencil before 
So all of a sudden this pencil which was it was like it is really good for doing gesture and stuff like that. It's now really good and I'd almost say probably better than a mechanical pencil for doing detailed work because the point is so long and thin you can just you can basically now get fat lines, thin lines, dark lines, light lines just by sharpening the pencil and I know this might sound obvious but this little art tip is more of like just remembering to sharpen pencils because it the pencil becomes completely different with a sharpened lead and I think if you was always using traditional pencils you would never run into this problem because you have to sharpen the pencil but if you're using mechanical pencils and clutch pencils I don't know maybe it was just me being silly or I don't I don't know I was trying to work out why I didn't sharpen it I don't know whether it was because I was lazy or there's part of me is wondering whether it was because I didn't want to use the little sharpener because this Strut Lamar's pencil had a, it's got a little sharpener with it which is really cool it's like a little little pot that you put the pencil in and twist it and I think part of me didn't want to use it because I didn't want to ruin it <laughs> because I, I sometimes do that I buy stuff like with sketchbooks I might buy a sketchbook and I'll be afraid to use it because I don't want to ruin it which is silly so I wonder whether that's what happened, I don't know, but something happened and then I'm just so glad that I started sharpening my pencils. And so that's this week's little art tip, it is to remember to sharpen your pencils. And that means it's time for this week's book book. And this week's book book is, it is a beautiful book, it's called Momentary, The Art of Ilya Kovshinov. And Ilya Kovshinov is one of my inspirational artists. He's another artist who doesn't really... He, he's always posting images on in, on like Instagram and stuff. So he is always online. And everything he posts is just amazing. But he doesn't actually write much. So you don't really know much about him. You don't know much about the artist. So he's a bit of like a man of mystery. And so this book is just... There's loads of pages. And... Every single page is full of beautiful art. Well, each page is mainly one big image. And then he has the odd page where it's split up into like little work in progress images. But it is a beautiful book. And what's really good about it is it's it has little... The start of each chapter... I actually made a video on this book yesterday, which you can find on my YouTube. But I didn't... Because I was looking at it for the first time... I didn't have time to read the bits of writing inside, but each chapter has a page of writing where Ilya is actually talking, and it's really nice to find out a little bit about him. So, like, I read the first, the first chapter, the bit that he's wrote, because it's quite amazing, and this is the sort of thing that you're going to find out. You're going to find out a bit about about him and why he works the way he does. So he says. This book features my favourite illustrations that I've completed over the past three years. That's good, because it means he might make another one in another three years. But it says, You may have noticed something which is which is integral to my art style, a format. Because all of these paintings are always square. And he says, Using a square format is the perfect way to capture people's emotions. Composed of fixed points of interests... 
such as the face or hands, it invites the viewer to focus on the facial expressions and have a deeper appreciation for them. These elements of the artwork sometimes speak louder than words, and that kind of explains what I've just said. He doesn't talk much because he doesn't have to. His work is so amazing that it talks for itself. But he carries on and says, Back in Moscow, I was working at a game production company where we used 16.9 and 4.3 format. This format was ideal for expressing movement and storytelling, but it didn't suit what I wished to express in my illustrations. My goal was to capture a special moment by highlighting facial expressions or casual gestures. I would be delighted if you could find your own special moment when browsing through my book. And the thing is, I read that after having done yesterday's video. And that what he said there, basically, is the way I was, I was feeling whilst talking about this book in the video. Because I was talking about how these characters feel alive. And you're just drawn to them. And like looking through the images now, I just can't... I really hope you get this book. If you love art, I guess you would have to love his art style, but like his, his work is just so beautiful. If you love characters, and especially female characters, in like a sort of a video gamey anime style, you're going to love this book. And really, there's not much I can say about it in words, but the reason I wanted it to be this week's book book is because I didn't speak about the chapters in the video and I thought it might be quite nice to talk about that on the podcast and sort of link the video in with the podcast so that's this week's book book it is a beautiful art of book it's called Momentary The Art of Ilya Kavshinov and I'll actually link to the book in the show notes so if you need, if you want to find it and I'll link to the video as well I just love this book, and I hope I just hope he makes another one because I could I could I could you could I could eat this book. <laughs> it's so good. It's so tasty looking. I could actually eat it. So that's this week's book book. It's momentary. The art of Ilya Kavshinov. Actually, it's quite funny because I'm going to talk a little bit about a lucid dream now. And I said something on the video yesterday which I'd never thought about before. But it's, it seemed like a really good idea. And what I thought was... Because I, I said how these characters look like they're going to come to life at any moment. And I thought... I, st- I started talking about like how, you know, how amazing would it be if a character actually came to life. And then I thought about... Well, in a lucid dream, you could actually create this book in a lucid dream. And then walk into the book inside of the dream. And all of the characters would become real. And I just, I would love to be able to do that. One of my goals now for Lucid Dreaming is to meet some of Ilya Kavshinov's characters. And I just cannot wait for that. Just to actually step into the book and for them to start moving. And go on little adventures with them. That's what I'm looking forward to in the future. And that's, that is what you can do with Lucid Dreaming. That's why I love it so much. And imagine if you do that, when you wake up, Imagine the sort of art that you could produce, like going on these adventures with them. It's just it's just amazing. That is why I love lucid dreaming so much. And what I was going to talk about on this week's podcast was a little thing that happened during the week. 
which it's not anything exciting like that, but it was quite interesting and I thought it would be worth talking about. So I spoke a couple of episodes ago about how I've started having this sort of evil entity coming into my dreams and poking me and then when I've been waking up I've still been able to feel the poking in my body which has been quite weird and I think what's happened is there's been an element of fear that's been stopping me from going into lucid dreaming and it's also been I think I've been finding excuses not to meditate because of fear so I haven't been meditating as much and I feel like when you're meditating that is helping your ability to lucid dream so I feel like I've sort of been sabotaging myself a bit because I've been afraid to go into lucid dream because of this like entity but this past week I thought I have to go in there and I just if nothing else I just want to know what this what this person it looks like a person but I don't think it is but it takes on the appearance of a person I want to know what they actually want so instead of like being afraid of it I'm just going to talk to it so I, I that was my goal during the week and I'd before I go to bed I basically talk about in my head what my goal is and the more you do that the more chance you have of it becoming real in the dream so I was inside of the dream and I became lucid and it was quite funny because like this this evil entity thing it seems to be able to shapeshift into other characters so it was I'm not sure if it was but there was these two like naked ladies sitting on my bed and they were basically trying to like tempt me and tease me they were giggling to themselves and I was being tempted by them but I kept realizing and saying no I've got to come back and in the back of my head was this thought that I need to well I had two one is I want to in a lucid dream hear my feeling tone which is something Robert Wagner spoke about it's the feeling tone is basically what what our pure essence is it's like the sound that we are vibrating so I really want to hear that and I also wanted to meet this entity so I kept thinking about that and instead of being tempted by these two really pretty girls I went over to my bedroom door and I, I was saying I want to hear my feeling tone I opened the door and I could hear in the distance a little tone and I know that was it but as I heard it the door shut and it was as if somebody was behind the door pulling it stopping me from being able to open it if I tried to open that door I would never have done it and I said well I'm dreaming I don't need to open the door so I went through the door I went downstairs into the kitchen but the the feeling tone had gone away now and I kept saying can I hear my feeling tone and it it was quite funny because in the end I said I just said oh I guess I'm not going to hear it then (laughs) I started laughing to myself inside of the dream and then at that point because I was checking the lights as well, because that's how I can tell if I'm dreaming. It's like a reality check. So at that point, I pushed one of the lights and said, just to make sure I was still dreaming. But as I turned the light on, it went even darker, (laughs) which was quite funny. But I could tell that it was trying to scare me by making it all dark. And I'd just gone into the kitchen, and the the kitchen had these, like, bars across it, as as if it was saying, don't come in here. But I went in there. And this is all about facing the fear, I think. And then what happened was I was in the kitchen and suddenly this person turns around who I know is this entity. And this is what I was going to say was he basically grabbed hold of my arms, my wrists, 
as if, well, I was trying to work out whether he's trying to stop me from hugging him, or whether he's trying to stop me from running away or hitting him or something. But I wasn't going to do anything. I was just, I was there to listen to him. And he basically smiled at me and said, I've been looking forward to this. I thought, what? And then he said, um, you've got 10 minutes to study me. And the thing was, his face was really weird because he looked like a human, but his eyes were vertical. So his eyes were on, he had two eyes spaced about the same part as a normal human. But instead of being side by side, they were above each other. So he had, but the rest of his face looked normal. And yet he still looked, this is really weird, but he, he still looked normal. But yet he also looked like his head was the other way around. It's really hard to describe that. So he was kind of both at the same time, which is weird. And he he had this like hood over his head. And he definitely looked a bit creepy. But I wasn't scared by him. And um, he was talking to me and he said, um, you've got 10 minutes to study me. And then he kept talking to me, but he started talking gibberish. A bit like I am now. And then I turned around because I thought, what is he saying? And my sister was there doing sign language and he was still talking gibberish. So I woke myself up and I just woke up saying, I'm not afraid anymore. And I just felt really quite powerful. Um, But it just made me feel like this lucid dreaming is all about fears and tests. And you're, you're getting tested all the time and I'm noticing it all the time. Like, if I had been tempted by these two naked ladies at the start, I probably would never have ended up going downstairs to meet this. And then if I had been scared by the kitchen door, I wouldn't have gone inside. If I had been scared when the light had gone completely pitch black, you know, it's it's just like, it feels like the lucid dream is just a series of tests. And it, it all seems to be about fear. And I'm just finding the whole thing fascinating. But the other thing is, it's, it's tests that come out into the real world as well because like you you end up bringing if you're scared in the lucid dream you end up bringing that that fear out with you so then you have you have the test in the real world of trying to work out the fear to overcome it so you can go back into it back into the lucid dream like fearless but then it works the other way whereby if you face the fear in the lucid dream you come out and you bring back with you like the feeling, the energy of having overcome the fear, which then helps you in in the waking state. So this is how I'm, f- I'm realising that they are really both linked together. So I just wanted to quickly talk about that on the podcast, because I, f- I thought it was fascinating how, what I really liked was how he said, I've been looking forward to this. And it was as if he was... It was as if he had been waiting there for me to be ready to meet him. And then it also feels like he is only pretending to be scary or something because he knows that's what he needs to do in order for me to become fearless. So it's almost like he's doing it for my better, even though it seems like he's not doing it for nice reasons. He's probably doing it for nice reasons because he can see the bigger picture. So it's just really interesting this and I just I'm gonna keep talking about it because I love talking about lucid dreams and that's basically it really for this week's podcast. You can find show notes and everything at sophielawson.com. You can find my videos at youtube.com slash sophielawson. 
if you have any messages, comments or anything, you can send me a message at sophielawson.com slash contact or you can leave a message in the comments on YouTube because I upload the podcasts onto YouTube. And that's basically it for this week's podcast. All that's left is this week's inspirational quote and it goes to Ilya Kavshinov and it is The most important motive for me? A great story. Stories are everywhere. In movies, games, comics, in life itself. And some great stories can not only inspire, but to change the whole man and his existence. Ilya Kavshinov Oui.